Look at that, another episode of Arrow, Chapter, and Verse. And this time we're talking about Supergirl, Season 2, Episode 4, Survivors. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot of survivors in this episode. We've got Supergirl, we've got Monel, we've got John, John Jones and McGann Moores, uh, all surviving. And it's sort of different takes on what it means to be a survivor. Like, those four people, the four people that I just named survived essentially either the death of their planets or the death of their culture, sort of. We'll talk about McGann a little bit. There was a reveal, uh, there was a reveal about McGann that, um, happened, it took a while, she was introduced in the comics and then it took a while for this reveal, uh, and Supergirl, she was introduced last episode and they had the reveal in this episode, so that was pretty quick. But, uh, most of this centers around, like, there's sort of, as usual, there's sort of two plots one of which centers around Monel trying to get used to Earth, and the other which centers around uh, an underground alien fighting ring uh, run by Roulette. And I thought that was an interesting choice um, because Roulette's a relatively minor character, I'm going to say. She also showed up in uh, Justice League Unlimited uh, running an underground uh, super um, fight ring. Uh, yeah, and I, I have to say, watching all of the CWDC stuff does make me want to go back and watch, uh, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And if I do that, why not? Maybe I'll do another review podcast of those episodes. Um, again, just because, as I've stated, that is my absolute favorite adaptation of the DC comics into some sort of TV or movie setting. So, um, yeah, there's, there's not really a whole lot to it, I suppose, uh, this episode, I mean. Uh, so let's uh, let's do the Monel stuff first. He and Supergirl are still... I think this episode sort of cemented that they're going to get along, but they're still getting over the uh, Kryptonites walk like... Er, Kryptonians walk like this, and Daxamites walk like this. Dooby-dooby-doo. Um, but they've sort, of, they've sort of gotten past that a little bit, and Supergirl has now asked that he be released in her custody, because his whole thing this episode was trying to get out of the, uh, D-E-O, D-O-E, trying to get out of the headquarters to actually walk around and stuff. And he convinced Wynn to let him go, and they went to a bar, and there was a lot of drinking, and Monel started arm wrestling somebody, and he won, but he hurt their arm, and then somebody punched him, and probably broke their hand, and then they got out of there. Uh, and then Jean Jones chastised them for it, uh, because he went to go talk to McGann Moores, and McGann doesn't want to bond with him, and he finds out McGann is, like, taking part in the illegal fight ring, and then McGann actually tells... Okay, so this was, this was weird, I thought, uh, because this requires a level of, um, uh, a level of timing and information that I just don't think McGann had, right? He shows up to her apartment. He basically reads of the riot act about why are you fighting? Like, this is supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be green Martians. We've got all this tradition. We've got all this history. And she's like, you're stuck in the past. You want to relive it. I don't, I want to move on. This is how I survive. Uh, and then he realizes that he was kind of a jerk or at least overbearing, uh, and patronizing. So he goes to talk to her at work, but somehow Roulette's goons are there and tase him and take him to the underground fighting ring, which is, I mean, what do you do if you're McGann Morris? You just say, hey, Roulette, stake out my work just in case Jean Jones stops by outside 
and then grab him and take him to the underground fighting ring. Um, before that, uh, I want to say we found out about the underground fighting ring because uh, Maggie Sawyer got a tip and invited Alex Danvers, and they went to the underground fighting ring, and they saw aliens fighting, um, and that's where they saw McGann Moores, which is how they knew to tip off uh, John Jones. Uh, apparently, uh, Alex called for Supergirl backup. She came in, crashed into the ring, uh, fought some guy named Drago, who was seven feet tall, and, like, beat her handily, which, again, is is is, like... I know that's the way they do it, right? You want to have, like, an obstacle, and you want to show that it's a difficult obstacle, so it means something when the hero overcomes it. But it's still, like, like she's a Kryptonian. There's not a whole lot that can hurt Kryptonians. Um, so anyway, she flees, and then later confronts Roulette, and Roulette's like, you, you're not going to be able to stop this. I'm too well-connected, and... I give the aliens something to do, and what have you ever done for them but give them a black eye? Which is weird coming from a lady who runs a fight ring, because she ultimately, like, I suppose, facilitated them getting black eyes and then just paid them for it. You know, that's kind of a weird, weird statement coming from her, but yeah. Um, so then, uh, we, we get to the second, uh, fighting scene, the second fighting scene in the fight ring, and it's Jean versus McGann, and it's supposed to be a death match. And McGann is like, I don't kill. And Roulette's like, this time you will. And initially, like, I'm not sure why that was even a thing. Like, because, I mean, does McGann owe Roulette money? Like, she, Roulette doesn't have any sort of, like, control collar or implant or anything that she can press a button and hurt somebody or make them do what she wants. Uh, so it's it's weird that McGann just sort of took it and started fighting John. I also don't understand how John Jones actually ever gets hit in a fight because he can control his density. So it seems like it's like, I don't want to fight you. Great. Just stand there and phase or phase through the wall. You know, it's like they, they could both fly too. And if John doesn't want to be there, it seems like he could just, you know, say fly through the roof or something similar fly or, you know, even burrow under the ground to get out uh, or phase through the ground. There, there were a ton of ways that he could have gotten out of there without fighting, but he did fight and he mostly let McGann beat him. And then they had a scene where he's like, you're doing this because you feel the need to punish yourself because you're a survivor. Um, so a little, a little Green Arrow-style guilt and recrimination. And he's like, but you don't need to do that. You're forgiven. And then that stops her, like immediately stops her from fighting him. And she stands up and she's like, I'm not going to kill him. And then Roulette releases Drago. And Drago starts beating up on both of them. And again they're green Martians. They've... Okay. So I don't know whether anyone's ever read the Wild Cards series, uh, edited by George Tuars Martin. Um, I have been a fan of the series for a long time. I, I think I'm a little bit behind on it, um, because they stopped, they stopped publishing them for a while. Uh, but, you know, once Game of Thrones really took off, then George Tuars was... Look, he could publish his laundry list at this point, and somebody would pay him for it. But uh, they started publishing them again. Anyway, uh, the point is that there was a gentleman in those books created by Roger Zelazny, who is, uh, was a... Uh, I believe he got... I think, I think he's a science fiction writer of America Grandmaster. I think he got that. But he was a... He's a classic science fiction author. Like, he's done some really seminal work in the field, and his, um, certainly at least the first five books of his uh, Amber series uh, considered to be one of the classic um, fantasy reads uh, of all time. And I recommend them. I even like the uh, the uh, follow-up series. 
Um, but anyway, Roger Zelazny created Croyd Crenson for um, for the Wild Cards books. And Croyd's, without getting, <laughs> I'm already way deep into it. So uh, the Wild Card virus was dropped on New York in 1946, I think. And 90% of the people who contract it die. 9% uh, of the people who contract it mutate somehow, like they're called jokers, they're usually, uh, there's something about them that is not human, like there's some sort of, like, they they mutate in some sort of shape that's strange, like, eh, it's like, um, uh, I think one guy had a crab claw for a hand with a bunch of blind eyes on it, you know, but that's that's an extreme example, and sometimes if you're a joker, you get you get some kind of power, and sometimes you don't. The remaining 1%, the aces, get superpowers. So Croyd, uh, the sleeper Crenson, what happens is that periodically he is reinfected by the wildcard virus. So he will wake up, uh, he will have some sort of power set, uh, he usually starts taking amphetamines once he starts feeling sleepy because he's scared that one of these days the wildcard is, is going to give him, is going to kill him. I mean, I think at this point because he's still around, and, you know, he was, he was infected in 1946. I, I don't think he's going to turn up what they call the Black Queen, which is what happens to 90% of the people who contract it. Anyway, so there was one book in which he woke up, and he was trying to figure out what powers he had, and they figured out that he had pretty much every power ever. And this is a long way to go around it, but so do the Martians. Like, it's the Marsh, Green Martian power set in DC in the DC universe is insane. They can control their density, so they've got all these phasing powers. They've got super strength. They've got flight. They've got telepathy. Um, Martian Manhunter might even have some telekinesis. I forget if they have telekinesis or not, but they also have Martian vision, which is like heat vision. They, it's, it's crazy the number of powers they have. So without special preparation to think that you can just like stick a green Martian in a cage, it, even in a fighting cage where there's another green Martian, that doesn't, it doesn't seem like you'd actually be able to hold them. So I, I found that fight a little bit, a little bit weird, a little bit unbelievable, again, in this show about aliens and people with superpowers. Um, but then Supergirl shows up, and thanks to a tip from Monel, she beats Drago handily. And then, you know, Roulette's trying to escape, and they, you know, Alex and Maggie chase Roulette and she's surrounded by aliens, and then Supergirl shows up, and she's like, we really don't need to fight amongst ourselves. People are already saying we're dangerous. We don't want to do anything to prove that. Roulette is just using you to make money, and the aliens who are surrounding Roulette and preventing her from being arrested are like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Never thought about it that way. And that's one of the things about this show is that it doesn't take much, or all of these shows, it really doesn't take much to convince anybody unless the plot is... It demands that that somebody not be convinced. Um, so Roulette is arrested and almost immediately let go because she's got a lot of pull with the uh, with high society or whatnot. Uh, we also find out in that scene, Alex more or less asks Maggie out. She's like, hey, I, you know, it's like it sucks that your collar didn't work. Or, uh, sorry, I was using some slang there. It's, it sucks that uh, Roulette basically got out of being arrested or charged for anything. Why don't we go have a drink? I'm buying. And Maggie's like, oh, I can't go now because my girlfriend also just showed up. And here's my girlfriend. And Alex looks very disappointed. So I think, again, at some point, those two are going to get together. I don't know whether it's going to be 
great for Alex because Maggie seems to be kind of a player. Um, but that is the thing that happened. Uh, other stuff that happens. Um, uh, Supergirl is Kara Danvers goes back to her boss, Snapper Carr, and is like, hey, here's my story, and this time I've got sources. And he's like, who's your source? And she's like, Supergirl, which is... Yeah, I mean, Peter Parker takes pictures of Spider-Man, and it's pretty easy for him to do. Um, I, I don't know why Kara isn't using Supergirl as a source constantly, um, because she should be. Uh, so, it's, it's also weird, it's like you can't, you know, she could have gotten a statement from Alex, she could have gotten a statement from Maggie. Uh, roulette's arrest, I don't, it's probably not on the record, but it, it happens, so people could talk about it. She could have talked to any of the other aliens, too. But she decided to use Supergirl as her source, which, again, like I said, it's an easy source. It makes sense. Um, yep. So, oh, yeah, the big reveal. I forgot. Uh, John Jones goes back to McGann Moore's and it's like, hey, I, <laughs> I know you had people kidnap me to throw me in the fight ring, but it's going to take more than a steel cage deathmatch uh, to put me off or something like that. And he's like, I'm here for you. It's okay. Because, you know, they're the last Green Martians, except that McGann Morris is not a Green Martian. She is a White Martian. And we've seen White Martians on the show before. We saw one really angry, murderous White Martian. Uh, I should also point out that White Martians um, are the ones who basically killed all of the Green Martians. Um, the White Martians are sort of Nazis. They're sort of Nazi Martians. Uh, and that's, that's the big reveal, is that McGann Morris is a White Martian. But she's mostly repudiated um the her people's stance on everything like she got sick of you know torturing and killing innocent people so she i think she just came to earth to hang out because i believe there are still white martians on mars um so anyway we're gonna see where that goes in future plot developments and future episodes of supergirl and in future episodes of arrow chapter and verse because this one is at an end i hope you're having a good day and i will see you next time